0: The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2018 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at NewYearsConference.com.
1: I think maybe we'll get started here. Thanks for choosing to spend the first seminar session with me here. Uh, it, it helps me sometimes when I'm speaking to know who the people are that I'm speaking to. So. Uh, how many of you guys are, are staff people from a region somewhere? Okay. How many of you are seniors from a region? Juniors? Sophomores? Your, your staff? Okay. What region are you from? St. Louis. St. Louis, alright. Well, uh, unfortunately they make you submit your kind of, your blurb for your seminars way before the seminar is written. So I can't promise you that if you like, you were determined to get every question answered that I put on my little, what this seminar is about, I can't guarantee you to get that, but we're gonna be talking generally about those things. Um, I'm gonna share for a little bit, and we have Jacob Nicholas here, who's uh, out of the CO Lexington region, who's serving in Brazil. Uh, he's heading up the Gringo English School, he'll tell you more about that. So, uh, by 3:05, somebody can tell me, like, give me the signal. 3:05. Even if I'm not done, because I'll talk too long. We want to hear from Jacob. All right. So let me just pray real quick, even though we we'll jump in. Morning. Just getting started here. Father, uh, we want to commit this time to you. Thank you for each person in the room. Pray that this time will be a real encouragement and help us to to grasp your heart and, and your vision for the world through this time. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I want to start out just by sharing with you guys some stories from around the world that I hope will be encouraging. These are Some of these things are things we're encountering as Campus Outreach as we uh, explore places that we can partner around the world. Some of these don't have much to do with Campus Outreach. They're just things that are going on. So... Uh, You guys are familiar with the city of of Athens, Greece, right? This ancient historical city. Uh, I think I I read that for 5,000 continuous years, there's been people living in that place in Athens. Uh, The Bible tells us about when Christianity first came to Athens. It was in uh, Acts chapter 17. talks about it. the Apostle Paul went there. You can go to the very place where he was and where he was interacting with the (laughs) philosophers at that time. Uh, it was a couple hundred years later that, that Christianity really took root in Athens, some, some version of that. And so now, today, there's some shell of Christianity in Athens, really. So there's lots of Orthodox churches that are up, But in, in terms of a real living Bible faith, it's it's kind of vacant. So people that actually believe the Bible is God's word and personal faith in Jesus is required for salvation, less than 1%. 0.3%. So... Uh, Oh well, resolution's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Just see if there's a A focus button. I hope we can get better than that. It is what it is there. So uh, this this guy that's pictured, uh, his name is Yotis. his wife uh, Nopi is with him there. And he is really the leader of that 0.3% of evangelical Christians in Greece. He's the leader of that movement. He's the pastor of the first evangelical, the first Greek evangelical church of Athens. And uh, He's somebody I've gotten to know over the past year. He tells the story of he was in the U.S. He was in Boston. He was studying his master's degree and – or excuse me, his Ph.D. there. And while he was in the U.S., he kind of got exposed to this idea of church planning. And and he tells the story. He says, like, for those Christians in Athens, the number of Christians is so small in the countries. Like, when you're such a small minority, you're just trying to keep – the walls from pressing in on you. You're not thinking about expanding, you're just trying not to go extinct. And so what God did through his experience in the states, his eyes were open to we don't have to just sit here and try to stay alive. We can actually take risks of faith. We can try to step out in our city. And so he went back to uh, he went back to <laughs> I might have got <laughs> <laughs> Fiddle with it there. Yeah, I'll mess with it. Get it back to as bad as it was initially. (laughs) So, what's going on in Athens now is there's a church planting movement. This little uh, church inside this historic city is has an aggressive strategy to plant churches around the city. Uh, These guys in the lower left, um, they are two of the pastors, two of the church planters. In Athens, they're in an area of town that's known as the Anarchist Area. And they particularly chose that area of Athens to plant a church because it's renowned to be the least likely place that you find people believing in Jesus. And they kind of went with the mission of if we can plant a church there, then we can plant a church anywhere. They're trying to send a message to the city of Athens that the gospel's coming. It's still a small movement, but I want to want you to hear this pattern through just a couple stories I'm telling you. Uh, God is at work all over the world, okay? No missionaries involved here. It's God working in the heart of a Greek person and stirring a movement uh, that's going on there. Let me, before I go further, let me interject. Uh, my aims for this time, I want you to walk away encouraged. I want you to know that God's at work in the world, okay? I really love what uh, Matt Bradner shared today. About being a force for good, so we're gonna. I, I'm gonna look at this topic of missions through that lens. We're gonna come to that, but but I, I'm really aiming <laughs> to just encourage you and take. Uh, I, if I make you feel guilty by the way you by the time you leave here, then I missed my target. I'm not trying to do that at all. Uh, you should be uh, more more encouraged and motivated to join with God and He's doing it in the world than before. That's what we're shooting for. So. That's what God's up to in Athens. Uh, in Thailand, some of you may have seen this picture. This is the, the campus outreach team in Konkan, Thailand. Uh, incredible that this group of Thai laborers, their, their life is given to spreading the gospel in a country that if you thought it was bad in Athens, was 0.3% evangelical Christians. Way worse in Thailand. Okay, It's a Buddhist country. That there's no concept of God, sin that resembles the Christian faith. But these guys have come to faith. They're doing great work on the campus. This is a Bible study uh, led by Thais, a room full of Thai people. No Americans to be found there. Americans aren't the savior in this situation. God's at work among the people in this Buddhist country. He's, he's building something for himself. Uh, he's making a name for himself there. In the last 365 days, Okay, since January 1, 2018 11 Thai men have come to Christ Like you, you have to Understand the spiritual climate Of Thailand to understand Like that—that that is incredible I don't know what the number is to put it into context For your campus But uh, maybe If across all ministries If like two or three hundred men Came to faith in one year Like maybe that would be noticed On campus or like Maybe we might start throwing around the word revival. That's exactly what God's done in Thailand. Uh, there's two girls down oh, there. There's women in addition, but they've had an easier time of seeing women come to Christ. So the fact that 11 men came is really a huge deal. This is one of the 11 that was not pictured there. I told this story to some of you guys in the lead meeting. Sorry, you may have heard it. but uh, Gurr had become friends with the, with the, the Thai Christians there. And they would always say, Girl, are you ready to give your life to Christ? And said, No, no, I'm not ready to do that. I'm not there. Um, but as part of his uh, tie, as a lot of Thai young men often do, he was involving himself in the, uh, availing himself to be a, a Buddhist monk for a season. So while he was actually going through the rituals, the ceremony to become a Buddhist monk, shake head, orange robe, all this stuff, as they were pouring water on his head, the Lord just, put it in his heart. He's like, I, I don't believe this. I'm getting installed as a monk, and I don't believe this is truthful. So he left there, and he went back, and he found his, his friends that were working with Campus Outreach, and he said, I'm ready to become a Christian. And now there is among those. Uh, that's what God's doing in one of – this is in an area, if you're familiar with these websites that track the unreached people groups of the world, this is the Esan people. This is one of those groups you read about on Joshua Project—it's an unreached people group, and God's at work even there. Um, I'm not going to say a lot about these guys, but uh, Victor Naka and his wife—I mm, forget her name. Sorry. Uh, they're church planners uh, from Zimbabwe, and they're trying. They're they're working actively to get you know they're Africans. They're from Zimbabwe. They're from that place. And they're trying to see God build a church-planning movement. The leaders of that movement right now, uh, where does their faith trace back to? They talk about it, it came from our years as college students. God got a hold of our lives then, and, and now you know, as an older man, they're living out the transformation that God worked in their heart decades ago. In Manila, in the Philippines, this is a picture. I can't remember if this was their summer project or what it was in Manila. But the guy on the far right uh, is Pastor Abbott. He's a Filipino. Uh, There's a church planning movement in Manila. So when Campus Outreach joins up with the team, we're not like starting something. We're not not taking God to a place. God's at work in a place. God's stirring up the local people. And we're finding partners who are doing the work, and we're joining with them in that work. Uh, I don't have the pictures here, but already it's not just... Uh, wow, there's just a great partnership Between some of the Americans we send The leadership of the local church They're reaching Filipinos And Filipinos are reaching Filipinos Like already in a very short period of time um, Shout out to the Brazilian fans in the room Sorry, the picture's a year old There's a new picture here But uh, Y'all do this in Rio? No Cabo Frio?
0: I don't know where that is to be honest but it's in the state of Rio, but yeah, just a different beach, not too far. We
1: got it. So in Brazil, this place with a really skeptical religious history, these guys will tell us about God's bringing people around to hear the gospel. He's stirring up a movement on college campuses in Brazil. <clears throat> I hope you don't get bored of these stories, but I won't tell too many more. But a couple from South Africa. I've shared some of these pictures in other settings this week. But uh, I, I have some history. Mammy has some history with the Campus Outreach Johannesburg movement in South Africa. And God's doing a lot directly through the movement. But I'll let each of these pic- pictures represent something that God's doing not directly connected to the movement. just God's taking the gospel and it's running. So these two on the left, uh, Offense and Mush, dear friends of ours... Both of them became Christians, one at the University of Johannesburg, one at the University of Pretoria, both in their freshman year. Uh, they were discipled. Uh, when they graduated, we didn't have good mobilization plans. Maybe your region does, we didn't. So they just graduated and went off into the abyss. And then all of a sudden, we started hearing rumors. Uh, Fencing Bush, are uh, they're doing a missions training program. Great, didn't know there was a missions training program out there. They do that for a year. The next year, we start hearing stories. Offense and Bush are getting ready to move to Tanzania. and They're going to be doing ministry in Zanzibar. 99% Muslim, 1% Christian. But these guys have a burden. Not because anything campus outbursts did. God's just working in the hearts of these young men and women. I almost laughed when Offense said a newsletter. So he's got pictures of his main ministry. And then he had another picture as like in our like free time, in our off time, we, we drove up country a little bit. there was another one of these unreached people groups. And so we went there and this local evangelist were were doing ministry among this unevangelized group in Africa. It's like wow and I see the picture and offense looks very much like the people he's ministering to. Uh, not like me, not like you. We might not have fit in so well, but God is God is taking the gospel and running. That's this picture. Um this picture, this campus outreach, you know, we I'm going to be talking about it at different points in the conversation, but the campus is strategic. We believe it's strategic. This picture is in a rural area of South Africa where campus outreach isn't doing ministry. Um this was a gathering of church leaders (coughs) and pastors, and they were coming together to, to get trained in how to do evangelism and outreach in their city. But the person that they called in to, to do the training was one of the campus outreach staff people who is from that area, went off to university, became a Christian, was a disciple, is now on our staff team, and they brought him back to the place where he speaks the language, where he knows the culture, and something beyond anything we planned there, God's at work. Uh, Guy on the right, similar story. Came to know the Lord on the campus. He's now planning, he's planning a multicultural, or excuse me, transcultural church uh, in Pretoria. And he's become one of the, one of the Southern Africa leaders in the Acts 29 movement that's planting churches all over Southern Africa. So, uh, who knows what we're doing when we're just faithful where we are. Uh, last picture, last story for now. This is, uh. You know how we have cross cultural project teams that go from our regions to different places? Um, in South Africa, our, our teams, we would receive teams from Indy, um, from Charlotte, all these different areas, and our students were like, okay, hey, when do we get to go? Like, when, where do we go? When's our turn? I'm like, man, we're just trying to survive here with our summer project. In a few years, you know, we'll do that. Next thing you know, you start hearing through the grapevine. <laughs> our students booked their own trip. They went to Zambia. They connected with the university. They're doing ministry in another country on their own. So we kind of wised up. So it's going to say, hey, we're going to sanction. We're going to say that's our CCP. Uh, this thing you guys did spontaneously. So a couple weeks ago, that's a group of South African missionaries, two countries up in Zambia, who spent a month sharing the gospel in that place. The point I'm trying to say try to hit like South America, Africa, Asia. God God is at work all over the world. Uh, Can't say it enough. God's at work all over the world. The way, the structure I'm gonna give you this talk, if we have time, and we definitely don't, uh, (laughs) I'm gonna give you five truths and five implications of those truths as it relates to missions. Okay. Uh, and again, I want to put it in this language that I thought was very helpful from Matt uh, this morning on being a force for good. And I hear that I I want to be, I want God to, to work in me in such a way that I can be a force for good. And I want you guys to have that part. But if we're going to be a force for good, we kind of have to know what, what is the good out there. Uh, As it relates to missions, as it relates to the world, what is the good we ought to be doing? And so I think the way we're going to start to understand that is we've got to know God's heart for the world. So here's my first truth and implication. God's heart is for the whole world. Therefore, our heart has to be for the whole world. God's heart is for the whole world, and therefore our heart has to be for the whole world. Listen to some of the things that, that come out of the scriptures. Okay? Uh, it's not just, I think I used to think the Old Testament, the gospel was like confined to just the Jewish people. Like it was supposed to be in a really small area and then Jesus kind of shot it out. But as I've learned more about the Old Testament, it's clearly not the case. Early in Genesis chapter 12, when God's calling Abraham, as he's forming the Jewish people, he says, I will bless you. And you will be a blessing, he goes on to say, all nations on earth will be blessed through you. And we understand through other places in the scripture, that blessing that was going to go to all peoples on earth was the blessing of salvation through Jesus Christ. Okay, the New Testament makes that, like it spells it out. That, that's, that's the blessing. And so before Israel was even a nation, God's plan is, I'm going to bless you. So you can become a blessing to all people's honor. It was for the world from the very beginning. So that's, that's kind of from the uh, the old books of the law. We see it in the Psalms, Psalm. Psalm 96.3. It says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Like that, that was God's intention from the beginning. It goes out to every corner, every area. Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. The earth's going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It's meant to go everywhere. The New Testament, you know, there's many places we can look. Colossians 1.6 says, All over the world this gospel was bearing fruit and growing, just as it did among you. The day you heard it and learned God's grace and its truth. Okay? You see what it did in you, how it came, it took root, it grew. It expanded. He's like that's the case all over the world. God's heart is for the whole world. Therefore, our heart has to be from for the whole world. It's like it's a family characteristic. It's uh, that's the family business. If you're a Christian, the gospel to the world, the glory of God to the world. Like we're not furniture makers, you know. We're, We're God's glory spreaders. That's the family business. You're in the family that that's your business. You know, you might have to think, probably should interject here. Some people think of the world and it's every it's under each places, it's every corner of the world. But the whole earth includes your sorority or your dorm or the people in your class. Like that's part of the earth. God's concern for the whole earth is every little nook and cranny of your campus. But some of us also have a very localized world. And I think God's calling us to lift up our eyes every time, every tribe, every nation. Truth number two, God is at work. God is at work on a global mission. Therefore, the outcome rests with him, not us. God's at work on a global mission therefore the outcome rests on him not us okay like part of this if we understand it rightly if we think this this message of the gospel this this message of reconciliation has been to go to every corner of the earth and that's on me man i'm just going to curl up in the corner and just cry for a few days you know it's like that that's too that's too much it's too big it's too heavy um But we can rest because God is at work in these places. He's the one securing people to himself. We get a glimpse of that expressed. You guys probably know. I'm mostly going to be saying passages that you know. Just try to frame them in a way that hopefully is fresh and a good reminder. We get a glimpse of it in Revelation 5 verse 9. Where Jesus is being worshipped. The slain lamb is being worshipped. And they say you're being worshiped because you were slain, and with your blood, you purchased for God men from every tribe and language and people and nation. Like, not just he made, he made it possible so that people could trickle in, no, he purchased, he secured the transaction, he purchased by his blood men for God, women for God, from every tongue, tribe, people, and language. We hear the same thing. God is the one who's at work on this mission. We hear it in John 10 when Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. I must. It's my job. It's on me. I must bring them also. We hear it in Acts 18 where Jesus is telling Paul and the guys, keep on speaking. Don't be silent. I have many people in this city. Right? God had people he was still bringing to faith and claiming. We see in John, uh, God sends his Holy Spirit into the world. Jesus says, I'm going, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He will, he will convict the world of sin, guilt, uh, regards to judgment. So like the Spirit of God is doing the work. He's at it. Jesus was at it. The Spirit of God is at it. It's their work. Just think another, I, I, I don't I hesitate to tell a story because I don't have the details remembered perfectly, but I just think a great irony in the world is like a, pra- a present-day example of, of God's at work in some of the darkest places. So Indonesia is the largest Muslim nation in the world. 200 million people, oh, I forget uh, how many of those are Muslim? But it's a Muslim nation. Uh, it's a nation where there's persecution in many places. But there's there's a Muslim, non uh, Muslim, an Indonesian businessman. I don't know his business. I don't remember his name. But he's a he has become a billionaire, and he's using he and he's become a Christian somewhere along the way, and he's using his money. He started schools, Christian schools, and he's paying for Christian for Christians to come over and teach in the schools. And everything, he's using every resource he has, he's an influential guy. Like, governments don't want to chase their billionaires off. They like the billionaires being around and doing business. My details are so vague there, it sounds like you're just making that up. <laughs> but, like, specifically, we're being asked, can campus outreach send some people there? So the offers are real, so I don't know, the deal is real. I just don't have the names and everything present. Sorry. But it's a great irony to me. In one of the least places you would expect in the world, God does something really strange. There's not a lot of billionaires in the world, and he puts one with a heart to bring it, Christianity to Indonesia. God's at work on a global mission, therefore, the outcome rests with him, not us. You're familiar with the passage uh, Jesus looks on the people as compassion says, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. Um, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Like, the, the sovereignty of God that's implied in that, in that few sentences is incredible. It's God's harvest field. He's, he's in charge out there. He's so in charge that he, it's his field. He's in charge of the reaping. And he's in charge of the sending the people to do the reading. All, all Jesus was telling his disciples, his followers, to do right there was just ask God. You know, don't do anything amazing. Don't lift some heavy weight. Ask God to send the people, to send his people to his field. Heart. It's God's business. He's doing it so we can feel the burden for the nations but still sleep at night. Number three, God calls us, this is where it's it gets, gets even better. God calls us to join with Him in His global mission. Okay? He didn't have to, He didn't need us, He had the charge, but He calls us to join Him. Therefore, we follow Him in confidence. It's, it's as a privilege. Or I actually want to say we follow him in humility. As a privilege. It's it's an honor that he's given to us. You know the verse. uh, Then Jesus came to them and said. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, Nations. Not the 200 and whatever. Political states. They're in on the earth right now. But. Every ethnicity, all the tribes, tongues, and languages, go make disciples of all those, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So some have summarized this as, uh, this is Jesus' command to the whole church to take the whole gospel, as in teaching them, to obey everything I can in life. The whole church taking the whole gospel to all the nations, to the whole world. All right? God, God isn't accomplishing it apart from his church. He is calling his people to be involved in it and with humility and joy we join in. I think to the task of missions, uh, we have to we have to have the mindset because it's the whole church's mission to take the whole gospel to the whole world. There's not just like some narrow uh, gift set. That's the gift set that matters. It's not just what you might see your campus director or some some you know big leader on your campus like oh they're so dynamic or so this or they're so that. This is the whole church's business. In other places, Jesus says, "As the Father has sent me, I am so I am sending you." Okay? We're sent. We're called. We're involved in the work here. Acts one eight. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and will you be my witnesses? He didn't say that. He said, I'll "Receive power, and you will be my witnesses." This is the this is the privilege and the joy of Christian life as some of you guys maybe think about doing missions or sending others out to do missions I <coughs> uh, just want to encourage you to, to shape the mindset I'm going to do something great for God like man God I have good news for you I'm in I'm in I'll go uh, it's not the way it works it's like America to the rescue you know Make the world as great as America again. You know, that's not what we're doing. We're just going in humility, joining with, with Jesus and doing this. And he's not just calling Westerners to go. In fact, there are more non-Westerners, African, South Americans, Asians, who are going out as missionaries than Westerners today. Okay, going super fast now. Number four, God equips people for the costs of his mission. Therefore, we follow him in confidence and trust. God equips people for the cost of his mission. Therefore, we follow him in confidence and trust. We see it here. You've seen it before. The double assurance here. Jesus is saying, all authority in heaven and earth is with me. Then he gives the commission. He said, I've got the authority. I, we can do this. And then at the back, it's like, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's costly. You know it from the ministry you do on campus. Ministry is sacrificial, it's costly. When we cross borders, even more so. But we have this assurance that that Jesus is with us. Um, This family, uh, good good friends of mine, Mo Montenegro, he's Filipino American went to school in in America. Uh, His wife, Kit, is from Thailand. Those are their three children. They've been working in Thailand for 20 years. Mo has, gets from Thailand. But they've been in Kent. When I showed that first picture with all the Thai workers, it's like they're they're doing it now. They're doing it themselves. And so it would be a great time for Mo to get to move back to the US. It would be a little more comfortable. It would be a little easier, but Mo has a Mo. And have a real sense of calling to another area up further into Thailand, another place, another city, into this Isan people group, of a city called Udon Thani. And God's calling them to go there. I, I live in the city where uh, Mo is on sabbatical right now. And they're just preparing to launch launch out that new team. We had a day of prayer together, and he just said this statement in passing which I was very humbled by but he said I uh, can't remember the context but he just said Jesus is worthy of our costly worship so he wasn't saying "Man, I, I love being in Thailand it's so nice and warm there and the Thai food is awesome it's so great his perspective is sure I love Thailand I have dear friends there there's so many things I love about it but Jesus is worthy of our costly worship and that costly worship is, is their lives Last one, worship is the, is the fuel and goal of missions. Therefore, we feed on Jesus daily. Our worship of Jesus, our, our cherishing of Jesus, that's, that's the fuel for missions. That's the fuel to obey the call of God, to go and, and engage with God. In the world. Where that dwindles, where that's neglected, where that's abandoned in our lives, then the, the missionary, the, the needs of the world kind of fade away with it. So the same, the gospel that needs to go to the world is the gospel that we need to preach to ourselves in the morning, remind us that our sin hasn't disqualified us. Our God really does love us, and He's really sending us out there. Embracing that good news. Delighting in Jesus—that's both the outcome. That's what we want. The unreached people of the world doing. That's what we want. the The people that are in Christianized places but aren't don't really understand the true gospel. That's what we want for them. But it's got to be. It's got to start in our own hearts and our own experience. You. so I'm gonna, I'm gonna just bring it back to a recap here. Um, all right. So we want to be a force for good, right? Where is good? Point us in the direction of good so that we might be a force there. Um, the Lord's saying, among the places that we go, is this concern for the gospel to so the whole world? the whole world, and there's ways that we can engage with that now, uh, it's being a part, it's being faithful where we are, it's, it's engaging the part of the world that God puts on our plate right now. There's other opportunities that I encourage you to take advantage of if it's going on a cross-cultural project, um, if it's considering a lead opportunity after after college or after a staff commitment. There's unique opportunities that are presented to you guys as college students. It might be encouraging a friend who's overseas or a missionary or a local worker that you met on your CCP, but you stay in touch with them, you pray for them. These are ways that we we honor God and we become a force for good in this area of mission. So uh, we'll leave you with this verse as Jacob shares, because I want to make sure I don't accidentally create Heavy feelings like, this is good news, guys. The Lord cares for us. He's at work in the world, and he's inviting us and calling us to be a part. Jesus said this, uh, do not be afraid, you little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Okay. So it goes on to sacrifice. Sell your possessions. Lay it down because the Lord loves you and he's going to care for you. All right? Jacob.
0: That just wanted to share a little bit of my story, and how the Lord has used me um, in the past handful of years. So, I grew up uh, not too far from here, a small little town, Muncie, Indiana, in the suburbs, and then went down to uh, CL Lexington, in that region. Went to a small rural arts school, Center College, um, where I came to know the Lord through uh, Campus Outreach while I was at Center. And then I got a degree in elementary education and was fortunate right out of college to get a job teaching in Lexington, Fayette County School System. And, and to be honest, at that time, I thought I would be uh, living and teaching in Lexington um, for years, Um if you ask Andy back there. Um, he knows, I'm sure he can remember some of those conversations um, from years ago. But I thought that was the plan that the Lord had for me. I thought I was gonna be teaching and living in Lexington. Um, But then through some closed doors, as the Lord was closing doors in Lexington, He opened up opportunities in Brazil. And I had hosted a couple Brazilian exchange students back in high school and spent a summer down there. And through those connections, um, had the opportunity to go down and teach at a friend's uh, language school. So as I was there teaching, um, was in the southern part of Brazil and knew about campus outreach, in Belo Horizonte and knew what was going on and then as they were developing this language school, um, Gringo English, and moving forward with that to serve the ministry and in the ministry um, felt like that was just a great next step Um, and the Lord then closed some doors in Porto Alegre, um, southern Brazil where I was living and opened up doors and opportunities in Belo Horizonte. Um, So I've been with Campus Outreach, um, part of the LEAD program um, for about a year now in Belo Horizonte, and just finished my fifth year um, in Brazil. And I think through that time, is there's a lot that I think you learn um, overseas. Uh, I think you go through dry seasons, you go through difficulties. I think there's so much, just as Dia Horton was saying and Matt this morning, of just trying to do the good and being a force for good and just trying to see that and i think at times just seeing our i think the lord showing me am i going to rest in his grace i think that's one of the biggest things because i think at times we get so excited Oh, i want to do this i want to see this person come to know the lord i want to serve on this campus in this place and sometimes i think i can easily get ahead of myself of oh i'm going to do all these great things for the lord the lord is going to use me In all of these ways but I mean as Pete said um, it's the Lord that is doing the work it is the Lord that gives the growth Um, and I'm just extremely thankful to have been a part of that um, to be a part of that in Brazil um, and just resting in God's grace and trusting in him and just seeing that are we able to I think that's one of the areas the Lord's been pressing in is am I able to trust in the Lord As there have been so many unmet expectations, disappointments, things not going to my plan, as Matt was saying, as I've pointed the arrow or tried to shoot the arrow and as I've tried to draw a bullseye around, as the Lord is saying, no, that's not my plan. Are you trusting in me? As it seems like chaos and as we might not be able to understand what the Lord is doing in us and through us at that moment. I think the Lord's just been teaching me a lot of what does it look like to trust in him in the day to day and through that. And are we resting in him and his grace? Um, Often asked, are we leaning on his understanding and not our own? So I think that's a little bit of my story, a little bit of the way that the Lord's used me. Um, I'm excited. we got Joel in Miami, who I've been thankful to serve with um, over the past year. They are teaching English in Brazil as well. Um, And I would think, I would also just challenge you, as Pete was saying, with some of those examples and how the gospel's going forth in different parts of the world that's not even related to campus outreach. I think, and as we're able to partner with that, I think there are lots of other opportunities besides Maybe what you see is kind of the typical campus staff or campus role. There's possibilities with IT, communication, resource, um, teaching English and using that just the way that we've seen through students' vulnerability that they've given as they try to learn a new language and as they fail through that, how the Lord has used that to build relationships um, and open doors for us. Uh, to be able to talk about the gospel and share with those students has been incredible. So, thank you, guys.
1: Jacob, Joel, Nami, as you said, all live in Brazil now. Also, linger at the back if y'all have any questions, Running a break, but thanks for being here. Thanks for being here.
0: in. A <laughs> Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to
1: others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus
0: Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Conference.com.